some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Six, if you include four editions of Outkick the Coverage, the past two days, plus I'll be Thursday and Friday with Clay Travis as well. And you hear first hour of that show right here on The Zone. So you will hear more from me other than today and Thursday. Thursday is going to be all Titans Chiefs all the time. May not even talk about the other game. But tonight I want to go somewhere else. And I've actually kind of done this show before. But I just think that there are certain messages that can't be put into the culture enough because there's so many messages that go the opposite direction. One of the one of the things that social media does that you may not recognize as it's happening is it tries to make you think that the other guy has to be the enemy, but it also tries to make you think that you're alone. There's a goal for some people to try and isolate you because if they can isolate you and make you feel like you're the only one, then they can control you. They can manipulate you. They can even sell you on the idea of, Hey, if you just had this, you would have happiness. Think about Kevin Durant and all he's been trying to chase since leaving Oklahoma city championships. Wasn't it friends in Brooklyn yet to be determined, but I doubt it. I'm sitting watching the, Championship last night with LSU and Clemson. And I just, you know, sports is so very forgettable in the grand scheme. It makes us, it unites us a lot of times. It can divide fan bases, but we all love football. So even the Chiefs fans that, you know, you're going to be razzing this week and are going to be razzing you back on social media, you guys are all... You have a shared love of football. You have a shared love of sports. We do. We might not hope that Patrick Mahomes has the best game of his career on Sunday, but he is something else to watch when the Tennessee Titans aren't the team on the other side of the field, right? Sports can be a unifier, but sports can also be really good for messaging. It can be really good for inspiration, not just for the people that we see them being inspired, but being inspired through them. And I think you can take more from what happened last night than just a victory for the LSU Tigers and only the third ever 15-0 season in the history of college football, joining only last year's Clemson team and Penn in 1897. Those are the only teams that have done this. And when you consider what LSU had to go through to do it, and I will give you some stats when we move a little further on into this program, you'll see just how impressive this was. But the show and the story that I want to talk about right now is one that I think your kids can hear. I think it's one you can hear. I think it's one your entire family can hear. And it's something that can really inspire you. And it's watching the stories that came to at least this version of a conclusion last night. Ed Orzeron and Joe Burrow, two people where life did not go the way that they thought it would. Didn't go where they hoped it would. 
their hearts were broken along the way. For Joe Burrow, he dreamed of playing at Ohio State. He's an Ohio kid. He was there. He was on the team, could barely get on the field, ended up having to leave, and of all places, ended up in the bayou, a cesspool for quarterbacks for decades at LSU. And then at Orgeron, Coach O had USC in his blood. That's where he wanted to be the coach. When he was the interim, they went 6-2 and two out there. There were boosters that were behind him. There were former players that were behind him. He hadn't had a great tenure at Ole Miss, and they overlooked him. They went with Steve Sarkeesian. They went elsewhere. And what happened to Coach O? He ends up in the bayou at LSU as the head coach. And what happens when he gets there? People like me, and I'm including myself here because I am as guilty as anybody, buried Coach O, buried the hire, thought it was lazy, thought that it wasn't going to work, that he would be out in a couple of years, that this was not a substance-based hire. What did we know? Not much, which gets proven sometimes. But he's the, the, the head coach of the team that went undefeated last night and broke about 17 records along the way. The larger lesson here, which gets retold in sports so often, is that you're not defined by your failures. You are not defined by your failures unless you allow them to define you. When bad things happen in your life, and they're going to happen to everybody, we are not guaranteed even, I'm not even guaranteed breaths for the next hour. But I'm certainly not guaranteed daisies and roses and all the good things in life all the time. But, I'm also not guaranteed that it's always going to be bad. And so the show I've done before is trying to tell you that your station in life today and your your circumstances today, your scenarios today, the way you feel today, maybe it's just an atrocious day for you. Maybe it's an atrocious time for you. But that isn't necessarily going to be your story a year from now or two years from now or five years from now or a decade from now. I mean, you can even look at the Tennessee Titans and the way the season started and where you felt about this team and how I'm sure they felt about themselves leaving the Mile High City, leaving Denver. And look at what we are on the precipice of five days from today. Potentially the Super Bowl. One more major foe, yes, but one more foe to get through. Already defeated the defending champions, the team of the century in American professional sports. And the number one team, the it team in football all year long, and a boogeyman for the Titans many times in the past, including in the playoffs in 2000 and 2008. What happened then doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen over and over and over again unless you can't get past it. Your failures, folks, don't define you. How you react to them defines you. Joe Burrow could have played the victim card. He could have cried and sobbed in a corner. 
and talked about how his life didn't go the way he thought it was and this guy got in the way and all this and he could have blamed anybody and everybody. Or he could have thanked Coach O or anybody else at another school for giving him a chance. And it turned out LSU is the school that gave him a chance. And that's why he cried on the podium when he won the Heisman Trophy because he knew there weren't a lot of people giving him a chance. And I'm sure at some point his confidence began to waver. Maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was going to be. You go to Ohio State and you think, man, I'm playing college football for the Ohio State University. It's what I always dreamed of. But even if I'm not an Ohio State guy, let's, let's say it's me and not Joe Burrow. I didn't grow up in Ohio. I grew up in Virginia and in North Carolina. But I know how big Ohio State is. You get there and it doesn't work out for you. It's real easy to feel sorry for yourself and want the rest of the world to feel sorry for you. If you read the stories about Coach O when USC passed him over because it was in his blood, he sobbed. He didn't give up, but he sobbed. It was his dream job. It's what he wanted. It's where he wanted to be. But a lot of times we don't get what we want. Sometimes we don't get to end the story where we want to end it. Harvey Dent was a major hero until he became the villain in the Dark Knight and in the Batman comics as a whole. But again, those are failures. Those are difficulties. They're challenges. They're trials. They're things that would break a lot of people if they don't have their foundation where it should be if they don't have a support system around them. And again, if they listen to social media, tell them it's just you, you're not good enough. Social media telling you what you need and showing you all these people that have what you don't, whether it's possessions or a job or a wife or whatever it might be. All they are trying to show you is how inferior you are. And it's real easy to lose sight of your inherent value. What did we see last night? We saw the ultimate in reaction to challenge. We saw scaling Mount Everest. It fell apart at Ohio State for Joe Burrow, the Ohio kid. It fell apart for Ed Ogeron, who wanted to be at USC. And they went 15-0 last night and beat a team and beat a quarterback that hadn't lost since high school. a team that had dethroned Alabama in two of three national championship games over the past half decade, and a coach that was really right there at becoming the new best coach, number one coach in college football, had he won last night in Dabo Swinney. But no, it was the one that was passed over at Ohio State, and it was the one that was passed over at USC. They didn't play the victim, guys. They stood up. They took whatever other opportunity came about, and they made history. And then you read an article like the one I have in front of me from the Los Angeles Times that says, Brian Kennedy was once a big USC booster, but not anymore. That's the title of this piece. He's the one who got their practice field out at USC He's been going to USC games since 1949. Super wealthy guy, 
owns Regency Outdoor Advertising. He's the guy with the billboards all over Hollywood, all over downtown, all over LAX, everything. He had built a little bit of a relationship with Coach O when Coach O was an assistant in 1999. And Kennedy, who did have some stroke, and I'm a little torn here because I don't like how much stroke sometimes the alumni have. But Coach O endeared himself properly and handled himself very professionally around this guy, and this guy remembered him. And when it came time, he talked to Pat Hayden, then the AD, and said, hey, you should consider Ed Ogeron. And Pat Hayden promised him he would and then went with somebody else. After Kiffin left, they ended up going with Sarkeesian. And then when Sarkeesian left, Kennedy said, hey, can we look at Ogeron this time? And instead, that's not what they did. Guess where this USC lifer was last night? In the box for LSU on behalf of Coach O. Invited down there to be a part of things because Ed Ogeron's a people person. But think about how it comes full circle. The guy that USC passed over and this billionaire this dude with more money than he could ever spend begging them to hire this guy who I'm sure at times felt like a total failure when he didn't get his dream job. And they're celebrating in the Superdome last night after a historic 42-25 to win over a great Clemson team, making all kinds of history. The lesson here is that no matter how many bad grades you might get, if you're young enough and you're still in school and you're dealing with that, it doesn't mean you can't turn it around. doesn't mean you can't read more. doesn't mean you can't study more. doesn't mean you can't fight. It's not the last page of your book unless you close the book yourself and put the pen or the typewriter down and say, I'm done. And sports is a perfect laboratory where you see the fruits of the opposite of that. Somebody says your book's done, then write another one. We will read it. It took Tiger Woods a decade to win another major after what happened to him in 2009. Self-inflicted. And people brought him down, and then they cheered for him, and record TV ratings accompanied his Masters win. Virginia basketball, same deal. Lost to a 16, within a year, win the national championship. Joe Burrow, can't get on the field at Ohio State. Greatest season I've ever seen from a college football player, ending last night, about to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. Unbelievable. And Coach O, left for dead. People said it was a terrible hire, or a lot of people did. Now what are we all saying? Folks, if you let your failures define you, you are cheapening your own life. You are not giving credit to how special you actually can be and how special you actually are. And I'm not saying this from some high place. I'm saying this because I'm blessed enough to have a microphone. And instead of trying to tear down and talk about Antonio Brown's latest antics of that video or this Penn State story or any of this other kind of stuff, I just want to remind you that failure is temporary. 
unless you make it your prison. But what you come to find out in this life, and if you take nothing else from this segment or last night's game, what you find out is the prison doesn't have a locked door on it. You're the one that creates the lock in your own brain. If you just close your eyes for a couple of seconds, get perspective, and then open them again, you will find out there's not even a door on that prison. There are not even bars around you. Every second is a chance for a new definition. Nothing is permanent as long as you have breath in your lungs, as long as you've got fire in your heart. So last night for Joe Burrow, last night for Coach O, was a triumph of the human spirit. It was a triumph of not giving up on yourself and not letting a failure or a major setback, as hard as it might have been, not letting it define you. How do you react to it? That is what ultimately defines you. And when you think of Burrow, and when you think of Ogeron, how did they react to it? You saw it. It was called 15-0. and 0. We'll be right back. This is the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. So. Welcome back to the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I am Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. 615-737-1045. That's how you join this program. We are brought to you by Renters Warehouse, dedicated to helping homeowners benefit from the rental boom by renting their homes the easy way. Renters Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. So we know you listen to this radio station all the time. So this should be real easy for you just to continue doing that through Thursday. But there's a better reason to do it now. The Zone is looking for the ultimate Titans fan. We want to help you watch the AFC Championship game in style. You want to listen all the way through Thursday afternoon. You want to listen from now through Thursday afternoon, and then, of course, forever after that. But through Thursday to win a 55-inch 4K TV, grocery gift card of 100 bucks, and an Amazon Echo. We're going to actually deliver this thing to you personally, all of this stuff to you personally. Three more listeners are going to get $50 grocery gift cards and some swag from 104.5 The Zone. You can go to the website. It's 104.5thezone.com. That's where you can enter. But you want to make sure you're listening all day for the cue to call, and then when you hear that, you want to be the fifth caller to qualify. Again, 104.5thezone.com slash contest is where you can get all the details. But if you want a 55-inch 4K TV, and some free groceries, and an Amazon Echo. You want to listen to this radio station over the next few days. We want you to be able to watch this Titans-Chiefs game on Sunday just in all kinds of luxury and feeling it because of what you've won courtesy of the zone. So we appreciate that, and we hope that you will continue to listen to us as we get you all set for the AFC title game on Sunday. So I talked a lot about messaging coming from a football game last night. And what the message is. And I still believe that it's it's just so clear and important that its failure is only temporary unless you make it your prison. You create your own bars. Next year, it could be going real rough for me. Or it could be going a lot better. I don't know. I can control today, and I can try to live the way I believe I should live today. 
but I'm not going to think that today is the only result that it could possibly be. Joe Burrow and Ed Ozeron didn't let setbacks and things that hurt their hearts, whether or not you look at it and say, yeah, they, they had a real rough, went from Ohio State to LSU or USC to LSU. You can say that, but those were their dream places. That's where they wanted to be. And when you get passed over, it hurts. I don't care. It hurts your ego. It hurts your pride. When you're sitting around waiting for an opportunity that doesn't come or even one you think is going to come that doesn't come, that's tough. So you can say that. But believe me, it was hard on both of them. But they didn't let those setbacks define who they were. They merely said, we're not going to play the victim. We're going to see what comes next. And what came next for them was LSU. And together, they went 15-0. And to me, that's really inspirational, folks. And I think you can look at this and you can think about Marcus Mariota and what's going to happen in his second act. And I look at Marcus Mariota and I see Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was more successful in college than Marcus has been in the pros. But Jalen Hurts lost his job. And instead of playing the victim, he stayed ready. When his number was called, he came in and he won the SEC championship game over Georgia. And if they needed him, he was there. Marcus has come in for a couple of plays, but you don't see Marcus Mario sulking on the sidelines while Ryan Tannehill is leading this football team. And while you know it's probably really difficult inside his mind to grasp the fact that the Titans are in the AFC Championship game, mainly because he's not on the field. It's got to be hard. But he hasn't checked out mentally. He's been there. When they've asked him to go into the game, he's been there. I see him standing with Tannehill, smiling, talking to him. And it shows why we gave him so much leeway and why we wanted him to be the guy so badly because you can see his character. You can see his integrity and his competitiveness. And maybe he's going to have a second act like Jalen Hurts, who, while he didn't win the national championship, he was in the college football playoff semifinals and he was the runner-up for the Heisman Trophy. Who knows where Marcus Mariota is going to end up? Maybe his story isn't going to have the happiest of endings on the field, but I feel like he's going to be successful in his life. If he loses the love for football because of all this, that's totally understandable. But he hasn't reacted poorly to this. And you have to wonder, how's Trevor Lawrence going to react to losing? Because he's not used to doing that. I think he's going to come back inspired. I feel like his feet are firmly on the ground. His foundation is solid. And I'll be very curious to see if he doesn't come out and have an unbelievable year next year for Clemson, who's already the title favorites. LSU's probably not going to repeat, folks. But I don't think Ed Orgeron all of a sudden was a one-and-done coach. A lot of people are saying, he's just Gene Chizik. Wait till Burrow leaves. Well, we'll see. The thing about Coach O was he was not stubborn enough to think he was the only guy smart enough to run that team. He brought in smart people around him. He listened. He adapted. And he won a national championship. Let's go to Shane. He's in Lafayette. He's up first here on the Big Six tonight. Shane, what's up? Hey, brother. I just want to tell you I appreciate your your show tonight. Um, I'm recovering from a car accident that happened back in September. I've spent the last three months pretty much just in a recliner 
Uh, I've the insurance isn't paying. I've lost my job, my my own health insurance, and just found out today I'm they're not going to let me collect unemployment either. And uh, I'll tell you, it's uh, it's a tough spot to be in, but I appreciate the the theme of your show tonight. And uh, believe it or not, this this run by the Tennessee Titans has been a, a lifesaver for me to just keep my mind off my own current situation. And uh, thank you, and go Titans. All righty, Shane. I don't know what I'm supposed to add to that, what I'm supposed to say. I know what my job tells me I should say, but I also know what my heart tells me I should say. And that he was, is he was that, thanking for your inspirational message tonight, pretty much. He was Yeah, yeah no I mean I, I get it. I'm just sometimes a show or sometimes a moment or sometimes a paragraph or a sentence maybe was for one person to hear. And if that's the case, then this show was worth its weight in gold for me. I hope it did help Shane, and it is cool to know that the Titans run is helping him get through a tough spot. And hopefully, even though that is a lot of things that he is trying to overcome right now, hopefully that just reminds him that sometimes it's darkest before the dawn, and sometimes we've got to walk through valleys to grow. doesn't make it any easier while we're walking through those valleys. But we can see an end point. We can see grass in front of us. We can see the oasis. It's not going away. It's not a mirage. And so we're rooting for Shane. No question about that. And I appreciate his thoughts for sure as well. Our telephone number is 615-737-1045. That's 737-1045. Josh in Nashville, we'll get to you after the break. Also, I think another caller coming in. We will take some of your phone calls when we come back. This is the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. So. Good Tuesday to you. It's the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone, brought to you by Renner's Warehouse. My name is Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. The telephone number is 615-737-1045. The name of the producer behind the glass bin of the Dodge Radio style for me is Ryan Mudd. We haven't talked as much Titans Chiefs tonight, certainly. Thursday, that will be the entire focus of this show. As we are all set for whatever's going to happen on Sunday. I'll give you my prediction that day, even though if you follow me on Twitter, you already know how I feel about it. But this team is certainly fun to watch, and I do maybe want to talk about the Pro Football Writers Association Rookie of the Year that was put out today. And I kind of want to talk about Joe Burrow a lot more as well because last night was so unbelievable, especially considering everything else that went. But let's take some phone calls, some people that waited patiently through the break. We'll start with Josh. He's in Nashville this evening. Josh, what's up? As a goal, remember three weeks ago when I told you this started, and the only team I was worried about was the Bills. Yeah, and then it became the Texans. Well, hey, it's over with. All right, whoever we meet in the Super Bowl is gonna have to get it. They haven't seen this yet. I mean, if we have to play South California, San Francisco, we're gonna get them. Aaron Rodgers, oh, he's tired. I mean, Patrick Mahomes from that whole show by itself, so he's tired. He's done. He's worn out. Nothing, nothing insane. It's our time. We need to take it. Hey, Henry. At Tannehill, I know, let's do it. All right, Josh. Did you just say Mahomes is washed up? 
That is a hot take. That thing is scorching. Like, I wore shorts today because it was warm enough to wear shorts. It's going to be even warmer tomorrow. Then, like, Monday, I think it's supposed to be a high of 29 degrees. That is a scorching take. Like, I'm still wearing too many clothes in this studio, which is a little brisk, or it was, right up until that phone call. Gerald in Green Hills joins us next year on the Big Six. Gerald, what say you? Hey, I agree with Mahomes, it's not washed up. I don't know what the last call is talking about. He's not washed up. But I'm telling you, my opinion, if Titus can win, they on a mission. It's meant to be. You be number one seed, the number three seed, beat the number two seed this weekend, they could do it. Get behind Derrick Henry and Brandon City together. Well, the city, sorry to cut you off, but the city the city is behind this team fully. And yet you definitely can win that game on Sunday. And what you've done already is very, very impressive. And I said Sunday when I was in on a special two-hour edition of the Big Six, which is, by the way, a good reason to subscribe to the podcast. If you're not a subscriber to the Big Six with Jason Martin, and while you're there, Pop Six, Square Circle Radio, you know, all the other things that I'm associated with, Quick Six, probably just put six in uh, your podcast catchers search engine and a lot of those are probably me talking so if you like listening to me talking then that'll give you more of an opportunity to do that but i did a two-hour show 9 to 11 a.m on sunday morning right after the ravens patriots game we took a lot of phone calls on that show and you know we, we discussed what this team has done and how they absolutely can win these games and we talked about how there is a unifying factor here that the city is clearly behind them. And I said the biggest compliment that I can pay to this team is the one that I absolutely could not for the past three years since I've really had a microphone to do this. And that is, ladies and gentlemen, it is officially safe to believe in this football team. That doesn't mean they're going to win every week. It doesn't mean they're going to win on Sunday but it means you are not wrong to put faith in this team on a week-to-week basis. What has been the constant sort of joking, mocking refrain about this team for years? That the only thing consistent about them is their inconsistency. I was flipping a coin several weeks ago to try and determine whether they would win or lose because you couldn't look at any other factors because, again, they were inconsistent. I am telling you that that is now an unfair take to have. They have changed that. This team is one you absolutely, positively can believe in. You can also believe in them and watch them lose to the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday or lose in the Super Bowl to either San Francisco or Green Bay in three weeks. Those are things that can happen. But you, without fail, if you believe in this team, then you are not wrong to do so. You are justified in doing so. You can believe in Derrick Henry. The offensive line, I'm starting to believe more and more in. Tannehill hasn't been asked to do very much, but he hasn't been making mistakes along the way. And the defense is starting to play more like the defense that was averaging 15.3 points per game surrendered, and they were still losing because the offense was sputtering in the first you know, five, six games of the season. They're they're starting to come around, and this team is actually handling it offensively. That's what makes them frightening, and to me, that's what makes them consistent is they're no longer one-dimensional. 
Michael in Smithville joins us next on the program. Michael, what's up? Yeah, I just wanted to say I believe the worst thing the Titans could do would go into this game to feel like they have to scheme up something different because they they feel like everybody's going to zone in on Henry. I feel like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You just keep going with what you're doing, and, and everything's going to work out. Look, I think you're right. I don't think that it needs to get – you don't need to get cute here. The two teams that you just played, particularly the Ravens, but also the Patriots, they're more nasty and more physical. The Chiefs are not as finesse a team as they have been in previous years. But it's still not a defense that you think is just going to maul you, especially if Chris Jones is banged up and they're missing a couple of other key contributors. This is a, the, the Titans have gotten here by bullying the Patriots and bullying the Ravens. They have bullied the bullies. You don't go away from that. You hand the ball to 22 and you say, tackle him for 60 minutes. And if you key in too much on him, we've got guys down the field that can, be, can make plays and we've got a quarterback that is accurate enough and careful enough with the football not to hand it to you. And if you do that, that gives you your best chance to win. You want to see your best chance to lose? Look at what Bill O'Brien did on Sunday. That's a coach that I don't believe in, didn't believe in, can't believe, is still the head coach who admitted he did not have a fourth and one play, which led to the field goal. And then when you're up 24 to six, I think it was at the time, and you fake a punt in your own territory, what are you thinking? The only thing that told me was, and they even said on the CBS broadcast that, you know, Bill O'Brien told us that he didn't want to punt at all today. That means he didn't think his defense could stop Kansas City at all. But that was just foolishness. That felt like a desperate, t- that felt like he was down 24 to 6. That was just insane. If you don't believe in him more than that, then what does that say? That, to me, was the ball game, in essence. When that went awry, that was a wrap. Even Deshaun Watson, as great as he is, as heroic as he is, wasn't going to be able to overcome the malfeasance on the sidelines. we got one more segment, and we'll do it next here on 104.5 The Zone. Final segment of the program here tonight on 104.5 The Zone with the Big Six. I'm Jason Martin. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse, dedicated to putting homeowners on the path to financial freedom through rent estate. Renting your home without having to do the hard stuff. Renters Warehouse, the rent estate company. I'm still just baking after the hot take that is Patrick Mahomes is washed up, which actually came through our phone lines in that last segment. That is not what I was expecting here. Michaels and Mueller coming up next, by the way, here on The Zone. Definitely want to stick with us. Actually, a couple hours of Ned Michaels. You'll get Michaels and Mueller and Global Golf Talk on a special night tonight. So stick with us here. You know, I do want to talk about the Pro Football Writers Association Rookie of the Year honor, which was named today. And look, A.J. Brown was named to the rookie team. Over Debo Samuel, and it was a great year for rookie wideouts, especially considering it wasn't a highly touted class. His buddy DK Metcalf had a good year in Seattle, and Debo Samuel, obviously in San Francisco, and Marquise Brown in Baltimore, among others. But AJ Brown was, you know, over a thousand yards for a team that is in the AFC championship game. 
defensive rookie of the year was Nick Bosa. And there's going to be a Pepsi rookie of the year honor coming out where it's everybody together. And maybe Bosa's going to win that one too. Bosa's awesome and his team's playing as well. Josh Jacobs was named the offensive rookie of the year by the Pro Football Writers Association of America. Here's Josh Jacobs stats this year. 242 carries for 1,150 yards and seven touchdowns. 20 catches for 166 receiving yards. Averaged 101.2 scrimmage yards per game, which is very high. That 1,150 that he rushed for is sixth in Raiders franchise history in terms of single-season rushing performances. Marcus Allen had rushed for 697 yards in his rookie season. The great Marcus Allen, the Hall of Famer Marcus Allen, 697 yards. That was the rookie record for the Raiders franchise. Josh Jacobs just dwarfed it with 1150. And Josh Jacobs did it in, he actually broke Marcus Allen's record in just the first eight games of the year. He had five 100-yard games as a rookie, which also supplanted Marcus Allen. And he was the guy that everybody had to scheme against when you played against Oakland. And then he got hurt, and he missed some time. And you look at the rookies on the offensive side of the ball this year in the NFL, and I just named some of those receivers. And then you have to include Kyler Murray, who had a very good year. Despite the fact they didn't win a lot of games in Arizona, he showed a lot of reason why it made sense to draft him one and even maybe why it made sense to hire Kingsbury and let him grab Kyler Murray. But if I had a vote, and I don't, but if I had a vote, I still think it goes to A.J. Brown, folks. Over 1,000 yards. I think he has made Ryan Tannehill several million dollars with some of the stuff he's done, especially after the catch. He's the guy that the Patriots and the Ravens are worried about at home when the Titans had to face them in the playoffs. He's the guy. Not the number five Guy in the draft, Corey Davis. They're worried about Derrick Henry, and they're worried about A.J. Brown. And we know how good Derrick Henry is. He was second team all NFL running back, which should be first team, but we can't go back and change that. And right now, Derrick Henry might be the most feared player outside of Mahomes playing in the playoffs with Rodgers a little bit up there in age. Nobody's really afraid of Jimmy Garoppolo. San Francisco, you're worried more about their defense than anything else. But Mahomes is probably the guy, and then Derrick Henry. 1A, 1B, maybe, something like that. And we'll see both those guys against one another, although they won't be on the field against one another on Sunday. But A.J. Brown is actually kind of primed to have a breakout game again on Sunday. He hasn't shown up the last two weeks. And credit the Patriots for doing what they did against him. And then the Ravens game, that's just not the way that they needed to play more often than not. I mean, Tannehill only threw 14 passes in the game. Brown did manage to catch one of those, and it was for over 30 yards, I believe. I just look at the impact on these games. I I don't think that you can take anything away from Josh Jacobs and what I just told you in terms of the stats that he has put up, pretty outrageously good. And we knew this when we were playing them weeks ago, when the Titans were there playing them a few weeks ago out in Oakland, when he was banged up and might not be able to go, that gave Titans fans a lot more hope going into that football game. So that's not taking anything away from him, but I just look at this league 
and I look at who is playing right now. And Josh Jacobs missing so much time. And I think A.J. Brown's got to be the guy, right? I could be wrong. You can tweet me at jmardzone. Let me know if you think it is Jacobs. I, I don't, I'm not like super upset because Jacobs did have an awesome season. And if you had asked me at midseason, I would have said it's Josh Jacobs. But I also would have said it's probably going to go to Kyler Murray because it's a quarterback. But A.J. Brown at least was named the receiver, the guy that instead of a Debo Samuel or someone like that, they did give him that honor. And I think maybe the only thing, and I was talking to Buck Rising, who was in with 3HL for the last 30 minutes of their program before, uh, right before we walked in here, and we were talking about that a little bit, and he said the same thing that was on my brain, which is, well, the reason it's not A.J. Brown is because nobody's watching the Tennessee Titans until right about now. Over the last, like, three, four weeks, maybe you're starting to pay more attention to him, but the national base isn't. And whether or not you care what the national base has to say, a lot of national people that don't live here are part of the Pro Football Writers Association. So a lot of them just didn't watch A.J. Brown. There was a time, I want to say it was around week eight or week nine, maybe even week ten, ESPN put out a list of the top ten rookies in the league this year. A.J. Brown wasn't on that list. And more than half of them were offensive players. He wasn't even mentioned. He wasn't even an honorable mention. I remember that list. It was like 15 deep. It was 10 mentioned and then five honorable mentioned. And A.J. Brown wasn't mentioned at all. And that just goes to show you no one at ESPN, no one that was part of compiling this list was paying any attention whatsoever to what number 11 in the two-tone blue was doing. And that's a shame. But he's the one that's playing right now. The other guys on that list on the offensive side, pretty much all those dudes are watching at home at this point. And we saw another good rookie in Marquise Brown make that great catch on Saturday in the loss to the Titans. I think A.J. Brown on Sunday, I mean, they're going to need him, and we're going to break this game down from every angle on Thursday's program. So you don't want to miss that. Of course, you want to stick with us all week long here on 104.5 The Zone. We'll get you all set. You will know everything there is to know about the Chiefs, and you will get all of our predictions across the shows. And, of course, 3HL Midday, Titans Radio, all will be in Kansas City on Friday and all weekend long. It's going to be a real party, and hopefully it's going to be a celebration. If they make it to the Super Bowl, downtown Sunday night's going to be lit. Broadway and all that. We've seen this movie before when Nashville sports starts to win. Remember the Predators going to the Stanley Cup? It's going to be a lot bigger than that. But we'll break it down on Thursday. I think A.J. Brown's the rookie of the year. With all due respect, and I know usually that means you're disrespecting somebody. I'm not. I gave you all the numbers for Josh Jacobs. It was unbelievable. I still think A.J. Brown is the rookie of the year on the offensive side of the ball in the NFL. I will talk to you on Thursday night. Ned Michaels for a couple hours coming up next. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night from the Music City.